No, no. All right. I'm gonna trade you two sheep for that wood Tell me honey, does that sound good? Cause all I really wanna do Is take away longest road from you, yeah Welcome to these tabletop sessions Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to these tabletop sessions Hello fellow gregarious geeks and gamers. Welcome to the 23rd episode of the Tabletop Sessions podcast, where we talk about all things tabletop related that have been occupying the hearts and minds of this international group of gamers over the course of the last three weeks. My name is Elias, and with me this week, they say it takes 23 pairs of chromosomes to make a person, but after 23 episodes, I'm still not sure if any of them are human. It's Dima, Ipo, and Byron. Say hi, guys. Hello, Dima here. <laughs> Hola, soy Ipo. Bienvenido a todos nuestros nuevos oyentes españoles. And apparently that means hello, he's Ipo. And I'm Byron. You know, I knew I knew that it meant hello, he's Ipo because I did uh, Duolingo once. <laughs> oh, did you get to level five? I don't. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> Uh, but has uh, anyone ever learned a language using Duolingo? I don't know. Does AK got pretty good. AK got pretty good. This episode is brought to you by Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Hola Diego. There was a animation when my kids were too young and they were watching in TV. What was that? Hola, hola. Are you asking what was on TV in Greece? Dora the Explorer? Yeah, Dora the Explorer. Thank you, Dima. Yes. <laughs> Why Hola, do you Dora. know that? Hola, Diego. Two because, daughters. Yeah, because you, yeah, if you have kids, you know a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, we don't have kids. That's the point. <laughs> and Swiper. Maybe I know all the Barney songs by heart. I, I'm a big baby. And I know Dora the Explorer from uh, 22 Jump Street. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to kick uh, kick us off tonight with a little bit of a news discussion. Woohoo! If you've been paying attention to the internet, which almost everyone has at the moment. <laughs> Overdoing it a little. There, there's been quite a lot of interesting projects that have been out on Kickstarter recently. One of them that springs to mind is the deluxe edition of Clinic. What's, what made this one so interesting is... Basically, almost all the proceeds are going to charity. So the designer is like, you know what? Every $10 a game makes, or 10 euros, that's going to a charity that's specifically studying biological agents. Nice. And it's not just, it's not just that $10 are going. Of every $16, $10 is going to the Pasteur Institute and the Salk Institute. But the $6 is just going to production of the game. So... There's a huge banner that says funds will not be taken from the proceeds of this campaign. So he's literally just doing it uh, as a way of raising money and getting you a product, which is awesome. That's amazing. It's the COVID-19 Pandemic Clinic Deluxe Edition. When I first saw this title, Clinic Deluxe Edition, the COVID-19 Pandemic, I thought it was a money grab, if I'm going to be honest. And I was upset because Albin Viard is one of my favorite designers. Tramways is one of my favorite games. Everyone knows that. Even though you guys don't necessarily agree with me, you agree that I'm always championing that game. And 
when I opened it and I saw that, like a huge wave of relief went over me. And I'm super proud of him. Way to go, Alvin Viard. And uh, I hope this, it's made how much? $66,000. 61,000 euros, yeah. And he was even trying to be sensitive about it. So he even offered uh, for people to give options for other names. And people were actually saying, no, just this is a good name. Most people that I saw who commented said to keep it this name and it's for a good cause. So I thought that was really nice. Like he's not being attacked for using COVID-19. And of course you have Ian O'Toole doing the art. So that's going to look good. As you should know by now, Ian O'Toole does some of our favorite art. <laughs> so it's going to look good. So this is just an expansion. But if you have Clinic, definitely get it. You can get Clinic on this Kickstarter. 115 euro option. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, but you get a lot. You get the deluxe get edition of, of Clinic. You also get the initial expansion of Clinic, which is the extension. And you get the COVID pandemic. So you're getting a game and two expansions, deluxe editions. I mean, con- considering like the new version of Lords of Vegas costs $100 for the base game. I'll take $100 for a game plus two expansion. So there's still 35 days at time of that we recorded this episode um, until the Kickstarter expires. So it'll probably still be out when we release this episode. So Yeah, you should have about 28, 28 days once this episode comes out. And that was the Clinic COVID-19 pandemic expansion. Speaking of other games that cost $100 or more, We've ha- we have two on our list that seem to be competing for everyone's money, even though one is hands down winning. That would be Frosthaven versus Ankh. Oof. Can I just say that the new Ankh trailer is really good. I It pumped me up. I yeah. really wanted to play the game after watching this trailer. And if you weren't sure that it's exactly the same game as Kemet, when you watch <laughs> the trailer, you know that it's exactly the same <laughs> game as Kemet. <laughs> I, like after playing Rising Sun and experiencing that like specific combat mechanic, um, yeah. I'm curious to see what the combat mechanic is going to be in Ankh. And there's a lot of similarities, obviously the summoning and things like that. And obviously it's area control. but the trailer is awesome. <laughs> well done. I haven't watched the new trailer. I need to, to watch it. Way to do your due diligence, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I saw the, the, uh, the old one and I was thinking this is bullshit. It was so. terrible. <laughs> it was just like random. Uh, yeah, there was no information in it. But this one, and because there's no narrator... It's sort of like it's just dramatic music and then like just phrases, you know, um, it, I really liked it. It definitely <laughs> impacted me. <laughs> so you're saying that you like when videos don't have audio narration on top of it? Listen. Sorry, sorry. Are you saying that to your husband <laughs> who is a voice over? <laughs> I'm just saying that having an impactful voice makes a difference like i watched no i know what you're saying <laughs> i'm just not okay with what you're saying i watched Frosthaven <laughs> right after and and the voice wasn't as dramatic like what he was saying was dramatic but All right. his voice I'm, I'm wasn't as i'm about to redo the Frosthaven one check it out check it out okay check it out <laughs> welcome to Frosthaven the land of blizzards and shit 
<laughs> See that yeah. I could I could go for. <laughs> The, the person in Frosthaven has like a very kiddish voice. So it wasn't like, you know? Yeah. Anyway, back to the matter at hand. <laughs> I just wanted to say that uh, Dima just sold me into watching a five minute, I guess, video of something I, <laughs> I have no intention to buy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk again after you watch it, Ipo. I'm sure Dima's, you'll change your mind. Dima's out here selling the video, not the game. <laughs> no, but it makes you want to play the game. Does it? At least try it. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it and I was like, this is a great ad for Kemet. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel like you'll have an epic experience playing the game. Let's see. I'll, I'll let you know in the next episode. <laughs> so here's my question to you guys and to the listeners. If you only had $100 to spare, which one would you get? Should they oh. not maybe run the campaign separately? <laughs> it's not even a question. Frosthaven's the superior game. And I'll tell you why. Because you get more game for the same amount of money with a much more critically acclaimed... Look, I liked I liked Blood Rage and I thought Rising Sun was fine. I, I, I thought the battle system was brilliant, as Dima said, but the game itself was too long for what it offered. Like I'd, I, could, I, could fit, I could fit a GMT game in the time it took to play Rising Sun. The problem with this game, again, is it follows the same sort of system. And when you go through the description of the campaign, literally nine out of 10 stuff that they talk about is just the fucking components, which, you know, that's how Simon sells their games. Fine. And if that's what you're into, what you want is minis, then 100% Anka is your game because the minis are gorgeous. But Frosthaven is based on the same system as Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is proven. Gloomhaven is not just proven with people who love adventure games. It's proven with people like me who don't give a shit about the theme of a game. And I adored Gloomhaven. And it's in the snow. It's Gloomhaven in the snow. <laughs> Everything is better in the snow. For example, Yogi Bear 3D wasn't very good, but The Revenant was great. Both of them have bears. <laughs> and look how much money Ice Age made. Yeah, ex there you go. Ice Age is great. So currently Frosthaven has made a ridiculous almost $9 million. Ankh is at, what's the number now? It's about 1.9. And I do want to say I understand the appeal, but it's a little bit sad that COVID-19 Clinic has only made 60000 when these yeah. games have made a combined $12 million. I know I backed Frosthaven. And uh, I know I won't be backing Ankh, but that's just me. So you asked... What I think, I yeah. think bang for buck, how many hours you get out of the game, the depth of gameplay, uh, the puzzle element of it, the replayability of it, for me, comes from Frosthaven. The fact that you can use the heroes from Frosthaven to play Gloomhaven and vice versa even increases even further what you can do with the game. And it's just such a beautifully done system. So if you... I mean, if Blood, if Blood Rage and Rising Sun are two of your favorite games, then of course it's Ankh. But if you're asking me, Frosthaven has a certain thing that I feel like the other games, uh, Blood Rage, uh, Rising Sun, and now Ankh probably, don't have that X factor for me that makes them come back to the table. They're just kind of oh, good games. You know, I you have can't Blood really Rage. compare them because those aren't expedition games. No, he just asked me to compare them. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's, it's more I like where would you put games. your 100 bucks because 
It's the weekend where Titanic came out at the same time as this um like comedy that nobody like from a comedian that's no one no one's ever heard of or you can 100% compare them because you have to make it's a that tough launch it's not that you have to make that decision literally as you're you're going to the cinema you're going to the cinema you're like am i going to spend my money on titanic or on this comedy that no one gives a shit about it'll be like comparing the new batman movie to a marvel movie <laughs> okay i i have a better question so i'm an amateur gamer and i want to start playing something like uh, Frost Heaven. Should I buy Gloom Heaven or Frost Heaven? There's no way to answer that because I, we haven't tried Frost Heaven. However, um, if you can get Gloom Haven for a good price, there's not nothing wrong with it. The main problem now is that Gloom Haven the price is a bit higher. So Frost Haven on Kickstarter right now you're going to get it for that hundred dollars, but you're not going to get Gloom Haven for that price. Wow. What I've personally found is. Between the two games, Gloomhaven, you can still find a copy somewhere on someone's website. Secondhand board game stores might have one. Simon games like Blood Rage and Rising Sun are very hard to find copies of. I disagree. Um, completely. Because Gloomhaven, while there is a removable sticker set, most people have done permanent damage to the game. Whereas something like Blood Rage, I traded for it. Like you can eat every single trade I've ever been in math trade has included a copy of blood rage. So I don't agree. I, I agree that it's hard to get the Kickstarter exclusive miniatures if you care yeah, about yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. But the actual base game, no, you can get it quite easily. I was really wondering if after the depression that is coming in every economy in the world, Next year, we're going to have the same $100 and $150 games in Kickstarter. That's a great question. Like next March. You know, on that topic and also on the topic of Ankh being Kemet, on May 26th this year, Marigot is releasing Kemet Blood and Sand, which is the same game. It's a new edition. So, like, <laughs> and it's probably going to cost $100 or $150. And so you're just like, I just... <laughs> it, it's marketing uh, yeah two two games it's the popular trio like tr trilogy and people are completionists so no Kemet has nothing to do with Ankh in terms of Ankh people are getting it to complete the trilogy and also because they love the other two games yeah but I'm saying like from the part of Matago is this really the best time to release your game I mean yeah a month after Ankh has come out from Simon and Made two million dollars, even going up against Frosthaven. How much are you gonna make? I don't know. Maybe they'll make a lot. What I do like generally about Simon games is, like you mentioned earlier, they're always tradable. Very true. So if you get tired of the game, you know you can always find someone that wants Blood Rage or wants Rising Sun or probably will want Unk. True. Might not always get someone that will want Gloomhaven or Frosthaven. You're right, but I don't buy games based on their tradability. I buy games based on how much I want to play them. And for me, I have Blood Rage, which gives me enough of that feeling of Ankh or um, Rising Sun in the shortest amount of time possible. I think I think as a Eurogamer, you're probably more likely to go towards Frosthaven, which, which is counterintuitive. But Gloomhaven plays like a Eurogame. Those that don't know, it plays a lot like that Mage Knight thing where you have a puzzle in your hand and you have to come up with the most efficient way. And to prove my point, if you go on the Frosthaven Kickstarter 
every day they set up a random assortment of enemies and give you a hand of cards. And they say puzzle of the day. And you need to solve how to defeat those enemies or survive the enemies with the cards in your hand. So it's essentially a puzzle game where every hand is a new puzzle. That's cool. Cool. Well, speaking of expedition games, <laughs> this is something appealing to play during quarantine, especially if you have someone to play it with. Um, we've been playing Aeon's End lately, The New Age, designed by Kevin Riley, published by Action Phase Games in 2019, and art by Gong Studios. The art is really, really nice. Basically, it's a deck building slash combat slash adventure game. Adventure in the sense of story, not so much pieces on a board where you move and conquer monsters. But the story is your breach mages trying to defeat the nameless and rescue a crew of breach mages that set out on a mission and never returned. Okay? So you need to help your buddies out. <laughs> so As you know. What's, what's a breach mage? It's, it's a like a mage version. but cooler. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a badass mage, okay? A breach mage so when is... an animal is giving birth, it's called breach <laughs> Well, yeah, it's kind of that. So as a mage, you don't have inherent magical powers, but you are opening breaches from other dimensions in which you're Ooh. able to call in um, spells and magics that you can use to defeat your enemy. Do, do they come out head first from the other dimensions? They do. <laughs> like Jim Carrey coming out of that rhino. Okay, so back to the game. <laughs> Basically, there are 10 battles in the game that you go through as part of the story. And um, it's deck building. But the key thing is that you don't shuffle your deck. So you draw five cards, you play them, and then you select the order that you discard them in. And then once your draw deck is empty... You just flip over your discard. Sorry, when you say 10 battles, is it a campaign or is it just one, one game, 10 battles? It is a campaign game, right? No. Okay, no. so it's called an expedition game. So the idea is the game comes initially with a bunch of unlocked things, like a, uh, locked things, like a legacy game. So you're going to go through the 10 missions to unlock everything. But once you've unlocked everything it becomes just a deck building game. So it becomes like Dominion where the nine decks of cards you can buy from the market, um, they can be randomized every time. When you first start your first game, there's only nine market cards you can buy from. But every time we've killed a person, we get three or four new sets of cards, which we then integrate into the market. So at the end of it, you can play it infinitely. There's no... Um, there's no like lifespan of the game. It's like a regular deck building game. But after you play the first 10 games, you would have unlocked everything in the game. Oh, nice. That's a very nice idea. Yeah, yeah it's really nice because you, you don't see the different like nemesis that you're battling throughout the game. You have the first one, and only after you defeat that one, then you unlock other cards that you can add to your library. You unlock the next nemesis that you're going to battle. And it's easier to learn the game, I guess. The, okay, so the, the basic actions of the game are the same, but then every time you bring out a nemesis, 
um, that nemesis acts differently, plays differently, and then you have to respond in a different way. So you can't always play the same strategy of being really strong or uh, going for just a lot of energy and doing spells. So it depends on who you're fighting. So that aspect is really fun. For me, the best part of the game that makes it different from regular deck building games like Star Realms where you have to build up and defeat the big spaceship or Mage Knight where you move and build your deck and get stronger and defeat monsters. In this one, it starts by giving you like a little story. And then after you defeat that monster, if you win, you can unlock the next cards and continue reading the story. So it's 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 just enough story to make you feel like it's an adventure, you know, that you're, you're a, not just a theme psycher. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun and uh the art is great. Um the only con for me would be that after we defeat these um 10 monsters and the story's done, I don't know how likely it is for me to keep playing the game or keep being you know yeah but at that point you've played at minimum 10 games because it's like pandemic legacy in the sense that if you lose a game you can play that monster a second time and then if you lose a second time you proceed on the story you still already got between 10 to 20 plays out of the game although if you got 20 plays out of the game that's rough that's a lot for us (laughs) it's a lot of losing that's a lot of losing and it's co-op, right? It is co-op. I love the game. I love the game even though it's a co-op. Importantly, it removes the entire concept of a, um, a quarterback player. There's no way for you to tell somebody what to do. Because it depends on the hand they draw. It depends on the kind of deck they've built. You know, it's really impossible to do that. You can discuss in general and be like, oh, should we go directly for the min- uh, for the nemesis? Or should we go for the minions? Or should we build up energy and take out the powers that it's building up? Like all these things factor in. But as for the actual gameplay, you no one can be like, okay, on your turn, you're going to take away two damage from this guy and then I'm going to... You can't do that. Okay? That, <laughs> I want to say that Spirit Island has the same aspect. And yeah, we, yeah, we, we liked it for this. That's true. That's true. Um, the other thing that I love is most co-op games pandemic and the like they sort of tell you you are all working towards a common goal this is your common goal now go do it so you're all kind of working within yes you're in the same world and you can tell each other what to do and everything but most of what you're doing is just you affecting the board that might help an opponent a teammate or it might not help a teammate but that's usually the extent of how much you can help each other in this game, your card play literally can help your teammate. So you can play certain cards that will actually say, okay, for example, Dima's, Dima's guy, girl, she had the ability to turn relics into much more powerful cards. But to do that, she had to build up her charge. And I was buying a lot of energy stuff, gems. And when I was playing those gems, it was giving her the ability to discard a cheaper card from her hand and charge up her power, which lets her really upgrade her deck a lot faster. 
Or for example, because I was playing the energy game and I was handling almost all the power threats that came out, Dima placed a certain relic onto my breaches, which meant every time I cast from those breaches, I gained an energy to my pool. So it was a lot of... Byron thinks breaches is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a lot of stuff in your breaches? (laughs) The best thing for me about this game is how much your actions can impact and directly help your teammates. It's not something that's inferred or, oh, I softened him up for you, or, oh, you know, I came and built a thing here which you used three turns later. No, it's literally like, I'm playing this card, you're going to get a charge. So there's a lot of, you know, actual support actions you can do, which I love. Um, My only negative um, is not what Dima said, but rather... The whole concept of having to replay monsters, I don't really like. Like, I don't like that you get to play them twice, and if you don't work well, you just proceed like nothing happened. That's not that's not for me. Yeah, it just lets you go through. I was a bit disappointed with that. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't really want to keep playing a monster that you can't defeat, get frustrated, and then stop True. playing the game. So it's nice that you have that option. True. I just... I wouldn't take it. <laughs> and and importantly, we, we never had to do that so far. So I will say that every game we've played has come down to the wire. Yeah. Um, but we've succeeded enough that we didn't have to lose and, and repeat and proceed. Like the last game we played. The last 10 minutes. It was the rough. most anxiety I've ever experienced in a game. Because <laughs> the way turn order works is you've got like, two nemesis turn cards, two player one cards, two player two cards. And you shuffle it up each turn. And that's what determines turn order. So it's very possible for the nemesis to play two turns and then like have nothing to do for the next four turns. Or to play the last two turns of one round and then the first two turns of the next round, meaning they've played four times in a row and they've completely decimated you. So in the end, it really came down to, that's how close to the wire it was, that if the Nemesis card was in the first three cards, we would have lost the game. Guys, could I just say one thing? During the last 10 minutes yesterday, I was really down because I I felt like this was it. This was the end. We were going to lose. And Elias had to give me a pep talk. (laughs) He was like, don't give up. We can do it. Let's just think it through. (laughs) It was was hilarious. Tell us more about the pep talk. I want to, I want to hear more details about the pep talk. <laughs> also, I want to know, usually there is only one nemesis in your life. <laughs> you cannot just win your no, nemesis. And then... Usually there's only one nemesis at a time. Oh, because if you beat... Oh. So my question with Aeon's end is, because you guys are both pretty seasoned gamers, you played a, a wide spectrum of games. How long did it take you guys to play? And was it good with two or should it have been more? About two hours. It takes between 90 minutes to two hours per game. Yeah, per battle. Yeah. And we were talking about it this morning, about if if we were four players. And the only difference is that in each round, like Elias said, the nemesis gets to play twice, I get to play twice, Elias gets to play twice. So you really feel like you have another chance. Like even if you can't complete whatever plan you had, you have a second turn to do it. If we were four players, the nemesis would play twice and then each player would play once. 
So I feel like it, it, it just, yeah, you, you'll play less. It'll be more watching other people play their turns. But um, I, I like two players. I felt like it was a good number. I agree completely with what Dima said, because it would be the same amount of time, but you take less turns overall. So I think two players is a very good count. I'm just yeah. checking BGG. It says one to four. It says best with two. So but it also says playing time 60 minutes. So I... I think you could do it. No, we played pretty fast. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, But it, it depends. It's, it's it like depends if you want to win. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it depends. It depends how quickly. It's a deck building. It depends how quickly you build your deck. Yeah. You know, like in Star Realms, you could have a very short game by just grabbing cheap uh, attack ships and hitting each other quickly. Or you could save up, get a bunch of currency, and then buy the fucking uh, uh, Federation mothership. Yeah, we you were both I mean? doing slow growth. Yeah, so that's so. why probably. In general, my style is a slower growth in these um, But these then games. in the end, it was a massacre. It wasn't a massacre. <laughs> we, we, we barely, we barely survived. <laughs> Let's say, we killed if it. the nemesis had one more turn, <laughs> it would have dead. killed us and Gravehold, which we were trying to protect. So yeah. it was rough. pretty rough. Was pretty <laughs> and that was Aeon's End, The New Age. Moving on to trains. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking Enough of this breach mages. Speaking of nemesis. With you playing so much stuff by your breaches, well, did you find that they were getting a bit like congested or a bit um, constricted? <laughs> My breaches were filled okay, up towards good. the end. <laughs> so guys, uh, the last uh, week, I remember to play a game, a, a game that I was playing a lot last year, and that game is Russian Railroads. Uh, Russian Railroads, for uh, the people that don't know the game, actually, the designer was trying to make an 18xx game. I remember that story. And uh, he failed miserably because this is not a heavy economic game. This is a Euro game. It's actually a worker placement. The reason we were playing it a lot is because we were playing it in board game arena. And nowadays, this is the only way to play and enjoy a game since you don't have your friend's companionship uh, to play a game live. So I wanted to say a few words about the game. This is a game where you advance your... You have three, uh, sorry, different rail tracks. And you are building these rail tracks. This is rail tracks, of course, in Russia. That's why it's Russian railroads. The aim of the game is to win victory points by advancing your black tracks on three different rail tracks in order to be able to advance your gray uh, tracks in these three different rail tracks in order to be able to advance the brown rail tracks in these three different rail tracks in order to be able to advance the... the How many more of these trailer-colored <laughs> the tracks are there? And then the white... And also the choice of colors, white, brown, black, and gray. <laughs> white, I thought it was more of a, a light maple. Off-white. It was yeah. like an off-white. Cream. <laughs> so every time, in order to score more points, not only you need better colored tracks, you also need the proper locomotive. 
to support your railway and endpoints. There is also a fourth track, the industry track, which needs its own worker What placement. What color is push. this one? <laughs> so all this greatly boring idea survives and I would say thrives because of the many different bonuses that each track can give multiplied by a bunch of different engineers and bonus styles and interesting worker places for an addictive game overall. I think it's an addictive game. I don't know if you agree on this. I mean, I remember starting playing it and I couldn't stop. What do you think? All I can say is after my hundredth game playing this game, I am convinced that you can win building the first track. I haven't won yet, <laughs> but I'm still trying. <laughs> What I don't like about this game is there's so many ways to score. I enjoy the game. As you said, we played it a lot. We played it so much that I traded it, but uh, it wasn't because the game wasn't good. It's because we played it a lot and I was kind of done with it. So... It's a good game. It's also interesting that the one of the designers, Lonnie, Lonnie Orgler, also designed 18 Lilliput, which is phenomenal. They've also designed a bunch of 18xx games. 18CZ, 1880 China, other great stuff, Poseidon. He's a train guy. But uh, we love, yeah, we love 18 Lilliput. And Russian Railroads is a great game. Like, if you asked me, like, I love 18 Lilliput, and if you asked me which is the better game, I couldn't answer you. I could tell you which is the better 18xx game, because only one of them is. But I think they're both very good games. Yeah, it's a solid game. It's funny that uh, even if there are so many ways to score and get bonuses and uh, uh, score the different engineers, there is an expansion of German railways for even more ways to score and uh, get uh, different bonuses and... Uh, <laughs> Which is, which is driving me crazy. Isn't there also I mean, American I, Railways? I would never buy this game. I would never buy German Railways. Has ever has anyone ever heard Ipo's voice reach that high pitch? He's really <laughs> excited about all these different kinds of Russian Railways. The last time I heard him this excited was when he made the Tabletop 2019 Awards. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> There's the American Railroads, too. There's two expansions. Oh, I didn't know that. German Railroads and American Railroads. Didn't... Um, What what I was saying is what Byron called the weak point is actually my favorite thing about the game. Because of the variety of ways to score, it's not like, I mean, you could be like Dima and literally just try to do the Trans-Siberian Railroad every single <laughs> time day. and lose. One day. <laughs> But the magic of the game comes in the combination of which tracks you focus on. So you focus on the second and the third, the first and the third, the industry track and the second. So you got to pick and, and try those different things and then you'll basically be able to understand. Uh, it also has variability in the engineers that come out and the collection of engineers. Because each engineer action is different. And depending on the order it comes out, it can really push industry early or it can push, you know, the train rush or the locomotive rush early. So I think it's a great game. It has a beautiful cover. And um, if you're into like medium heavy euros, this is a great one. But to don't have. get it if you don't like brain burners because you'll get very frustrated seeing people take your spots. And you won't be able to pivot and your life will just be ruined. Very true. This is not a game that is forgiving when someone takes your spot. And someone will take your spot every yeah. single round. It's uh, There are not that many <laughs> spots <laughs> to take. So, yeah. 
I feel it's an entry to heavy Euro worker placement. I games. think there are better entries. I don't call it an entry. Yeah, it's not. It it's it's pretty convoluted. I wouldn't. Viticulture is an entry to heavier worker placement games. Russian railroads is like the next step after that. So for people that want to go to Vladivostok, like Dima, check Russian railroads. <laughs> and maybe one day you'll get there. <laughs> speaking that was Russian railroads. Speaking of getting somewhere fast in Europe, <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Dutch Blitz, which has nothing to do with getting anywhere fast, and it's not in Europe. So um, let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. Basically, Dutch Blitz is a game designed by Werner Ernst George Muller in 1960, and it's published by the Dutch Blitz Game Company. It has its own publishing company before <laughs> Kickstarter, dog. Okay, so it's a super simple game. It's super cheap. You can buy it for under 10 bucks. And if you know Solitaire, you already know most of the rules in this game. But it's nothing to do with Solitaire. <laughs> So the basic rules of placement of cards follow solitaire. But what you actually in this card is actually comes with four decks. You can get an expansion where you can get up to eight decks. So each of these four decks is identical. It's got four different colors of um, cards from one to ten. So 40 cards, green, orange, blue, and yellow. And each one has one to ten. Two of them have a male Dutch Pennsylvania boy suit. And two of them has a female Dutch Pennsylvania girl suit. So there's two suits, four colors, and each one goes one to ten. Each person gets one of the decks. So uh, the back of them is different. So it can be a water pump or <laughs> a horseshoe. And you get that deck. And you're going to play the game. Now what you do is going to be a little tricky, so stick along with me, is you have something called... Um, your blitz pile, which is 10 cards. And this is a real-time game where you and your opponents, between one to three other people, are going to be playing as fast as possible to get through the blitz pile. As soon as you finish your blitz pile, you all blitz, and everybody stops. And then you score. Now, how do you get through your blitz pile? Well, you have these uh, three piles in front of you, or five in a two-player game, called post piles. And on those post piles, you essentially play solitaire. So you have to go uh, boy suit to girl suit, boy suit to girl suit. And you have to be able to, to be able to get through your deck and organize your deck enough to play out the blitz cards. Then in the center, you have these things called Dutch piles, where every time you say you get a green one, you put it in the center or, or an orange one or a blue one or a yellow one. You put it in the center. And then from your post pile and your blitz pile and your hand, you can take the next number ascending and put that in the center. So one yellow, two yellow goes in that, three yellow goes in that, four yellow goes in that. So you're scoring those in the center. Now, once somebody finishes their blitz pile and yells, blitz, everyone stops. You gather all the Dutch pile decks together, which are the ones that went ascending from one to 10. You flip it over. And you count based on the different backs, because everyone has a different back that's their deck. You count how many points they got. So if I had eight cards in the center, 
That's eight points. If I had 17 cards in the center, that's 17 points. The trick is, you also lose two points for every card you still have left in your blitz pile. I just taught you the entire game. So, you're putting that, you're building the decks in the center, and you're trying to complete your blitz pile. So it's that combination of, yes, I want to place as many cards as I can in the center, but I really need to get through this blitz pile because every single one of those is minus two points. It's a lot of fun. Two players, it's just like, ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba. you knock it out in five minutes. All right, let's play again. You knock it out again. The great parts is super addictive. You can play many games back to back. It's simple enough that my eight-year-old nephew... We managed to teach him, Moldima managed to teach him how to play the game, and he was playing it properly, a little slow, but properly. But at the same time, it's super competitive. So when my nephew wasn't there over Christmas, my sister would come sit down and be like, let's play Dutch Blitz. And it would just be me and her, and we'd knock out two, three games of Dutch Blitz. Um, it's also is, there, is there any website where we can play it online? I, it would be really hard to play online because it's a speed game. So, oh. yeah. So, another thing is it's cheap. So, you can get it for less than 10 bucks. I would recommend this game for like family game nights or a couple game nights if you don't want to play anything heavy. It's also very easy to learn because if you know solitaire, you understand the bulk of the game. You just have to learn about the different kinds of piles the Dutch piles, the wood piles, the blitz pile, and the wood pile. But the actual gameplay is solitaire. And now, have you guys ever played Speed? So you have, you start with two cards in the middle. It's just one against one. You each open two cards in the middle. And then you have to place your cards in the middle in ascending order as fast as you can to finish your hand. So um, in Dutch Blitz, that makes a huge difference. So if me and Elias both have like a nine, yellow nine that we want to place in the middle, whoever places it first will be able to get through their deck faster. Another person will have to wait for another yellow pile in the middle to reach eight for them to then place the nine. Yeah, you can so lock you, someone out You badly. can really get stuck if you're not fast enough. Yeah, you can really lock someone out hard. Like, you could fuck someone really badly in this game. What I didn't like oh, about... Sounds like a wonderful good game. <laughs> it is a wonderful good game. It's also Pennsylvania Dutch, in case you haven't figured out by now it's like the amish theme now what i don't like about the game the printing quality is not the best which is okay because it's cheap but the color choices make it hard to see sometimes the boy and the girl suits yes they're wearing different things but they're just black and white highly contrasted images and they have the same pose so it's super hard to tell them if your eyes aren't great and sometimes you can mess up your piles or sometimes you can end up just um, taking too long to figure out which suit you have in your hand. Um, but what if they're transgender? Yeah, this is uh, this is Amish. They don't. Do <laughs> 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 and the other thing, the worst thing about this game, the only like real, real negative I have in this game, is for the love of God, I cannot be Dima. I don't know what to do anymore. Wow. I don't know what to do. Like I've beaten my sister. Like I, I've just, I'm not bad at <laughs> the game. But she's a savant, trouble, you know, with with the female and the male. But you can't hard. Be Dima. She, she's a savant. 
Let me put it this way. Nobody can beat Dima. (laughs) So it's not that you're bad. You're just not good. (laughs) So is this like where Dima is Princess Peach uh, Mario Kart? It's exactly. Like if you let Dima pick uh, pink gold peach or whatever, gold peach, it's over. So (laughs) so, I've experienced that pain. So it's the same thing. Like this is Dima. Uh, at a peak Listen, Dima. George, your eight-year-old nephew, he beat me at the he game. He didn't beat you. You stopped playing. <laughs> you stopped playing. If George to let can him. beat me, I don't know. It's it's possible. It's doable, <laughs> baby. Exactly. He whatever. seems to be better at it than better. you. Whatever. <laughs> okay. No credit to take away from George. Well done. But uh, Dima's a savant, and um, I I think this is a great game. Like I. I for the amount of plays we've got out of it already, it's a hundred percent worth ten bucks. Like it's it's so so is I completely agree, and I I like that it combines a lot of the popular card games that you're used to playing, but then adds a speed aspect to it. You know, competitive speed aspect. That's so great because all I remember in high school was being on MSN and playing solitaire on my computer while my mom thought I was studying. So. It's just a lot of great memories. <laughs> and, well, it's no uh, wonder I can't beat you. mom is listening. Please don't punish her. <laughs> it's after school time. So, yeah, so check out Dutch Blitz. It's really good. And yeah, I'm juiced up to play again. And if I wanted to, I could literally play a game with Dima, like, and it would take five minutes after this podcast. So it's just it's a fast, great thing, and I recommend it. Dutch Blitz. Speaking of... Uh, being super competitive and addictive games. It's time for the game show of the week, baby. Woohoo! Yeah! You guys yeah. seem super excited today. Yeah! Yuppie. And Elias can't beat Dima at the game show of the week either. <laughs> Miss the timeline. Give me a day, a moment in time when this game was made. Okay, guys, welcome to A Moment in Time. This week, it's all going to be about chronology. So when games were published, the years, things like that. Okay, so you're probably all going to be terrible at this, but we're here to have fun. (laughs) Yay. Schoolwork is fun. Okay, so it's going to be three questions. So we're playing timeline. Yeah, (laughs) we are. Okay, let yeah, me... we're having fun. <laughs> so who wants to go first? I think we should go me. oldest first. <laughs> okay, but Byron said he wanted to go first. Okay, we're going to go youngest first. Now okay. we can give it to Ipa. Okay, we'll do it by age. So, Byron, I'm going to give you the name of a game, and you have to decide if it was released before or after the seed game. Okay. So the seed okay, what game is, the seed game? is I've never heard of it before. <laughs> no, the seed game is <laughs> Time Stories and it was released in 2015. Okay? okay? And your game is Santorini. Santorini was before. Sorry, it was <clears> after. Because uh, Kickstarter makes things delayed. Mm. But Time Stories is a game about time travel. So was it really before? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mo- moving on. Moving and when 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 was the Kickstarter for Santorini? Because that's really when it was. Oh. Released. 
<laughs> and like I know Santorini since I was a child, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the town of Santorini has existed for centuries. And that, when Ipo was a child, it was before they built Santorini, so that's a long time. Listen, I'm using the same source for all these dates, and that is BGG, okay? <laughs> BGG is uh, subjective. <laughs> okay, Elias, you're next. Of course. So the seed game is Time Stories, and your game is Splendor. Four. Correct. Splendor was released in 2014. Okay. Let's build the yard that year, I think. Ipo, you ready? So your game is Captain Sonar. Uh, after. Correct. Good job, Ipo. So currently, Elias and Ipo are in the lead with one point each. Okay, next question. You said two points in the rules. It says right here. Yeah, rule those one. are the old rules. I have new ones now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one point each. Oh. <laughs> okay, so... You see, demons always find a way to, to give me extra points. So. <laughs> question two. I'm going to name you four games. And you're going to have to put them in order of release date. Okay? So I want you to write down their letters in the chat. And then when I say go, you just press enter and you all release your answers at the same time. Okay, so the four games are Rococo. You can look at the show notes. They're there. The second game is Roll for the Galaxy. Third game is Love Letter. And fourth game is Tricarian, Legends of Illusion. So you need to put them in chronological order of release date. So Rococo, Roll for the Galaxy, Love Letter, Tricarian, Legends of Illusion. Are you guys ready? I am. Almost, five seconds. Ipo? Yeah, uh, I I guess. I'm guessing from earliest to latest. Okay, so everyone submit your answers. So what do you think came out first? Love letter. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Love letter. Uh, then roll for the galaxy. Roll for the galaxy. Okay. Oh, roll! Okay. Not race! Trikirion. Okay, and oh, then... Oh, no! I fucked it up! Oh, no! <laughs> oh, oh, no! He forgot it! Oh no! Oh, it's supposed to be real! Ipo, then what? You said love letter, then roll for the galaxy, then? Trikirion, then Rococo. Okay, so you got one right. Love letter. Does that mean I can beat Ipo? So Ipo gets one point. Byron, do you want to go next? Me and Byron have the same one. yeah, Elias and I have the same. I, we went with Roll for the Galaxy first. Which was a mistake. Elias believed that was Race Because it's roll. been Race for the Galaxy. Okay. <laughs> then followed by Love Letter. Okay. Then Rococo, then Tricarian. Because I know Tricarian was out when I went to Essen in 2017. 2000. Yeah, if I, have to, if I have to guess now that I've realized it's Roll, not Race, I would say the correct answer is Love Letter C, Roll for the Galaxy B, Rococo A, Tricarion D, but that's not my answer. I fucked it up. Okay, either way, it's wrong. Oh. Okay, so you'd have you'd have two points instead of one, but Love Letter came out in 2012. 
then Rococo in 2013, then Roll for the Galaxy in 2014, then Tricarian Legends of Illusion 2015. Interesting. So, currently, Elias and Ipo are still in the lead with one point each, with two points each, and Byron one point. Okay? This is bullshit. So now, (laughs) the last question. I'm going to ask you for the number of years between these two games. Okay? The release date. Okay? So... If I say five a game, will you you guys judge me? (laughs) No. So you need to be the closest without going over. The closest will get three points, then two points, then one point. Byron, since... Since you're in last space, would you prefer to go first or last? Yeah, first. Put me out of my misery. <laughs> okay, so... Just shoot me like I've broken my leg on the racetrack. <laughs> just shoot me now. So the games are Arkham Horror and Seventh Continent. Sorry. Okay. Which edition of Arkham Horror? The original Arkham Horror. Which the ed- number which one. Which edition of Seventh Continent? No. <laughs> um... Buzz off, it's the original. Know. Okay. <laughs> so just give me a number, a number of years between the two. Five. Is that your final answer? No, I'm going with four. You're sure? <laughs> oh, no, now, you, now you're doing this. Okay. Don't, don't. Uh, seven. seven. No. <laughs> okay, it's fine, it's fine. Seven. Who's next? Seven. Me. E- Elias. 15. Okay, Ipo. 15? Yes. Okay, I would say... Okay. uh, uh, Eight. And the winner is Elias. (laughs) Arkham Horror was released in 1987. Seventh Continent, 2017. That's 30 years. Yeah, so that's just what I guess. Elias was the closest, closest with three points, then Ipo with three. I knew it was Byron about, I thought it was about 20 years, but I was afraid to go 20 and it ended up being like 19 or 18 years. So Elias wins the game with five points. Ooh. Ipo yeah, with well, four the most and predictable Byron with turn two. of the, the day. Right. Elias has won. The You're the, the smartest. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a moment in time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> when I win, nobody's happy for me. When Bard wins, I like. Uh, I was. I, I called you the smartest, bestest <laughs> person in the world. Oh, um, Bard, do you hear that? I do. It sounds like dial up. It sounds like someone's learning Morse code. It's a printer in Epo's room. What is <laughs> That's what Epo's printer it's, it's Greek Morse code. I actually think Epo is a spy oh. and he's busy learning Morse code in the background. Oh my god, could you believe? Could you, wouldn't it be amazing if Greek Morse code was actually uh, Zorba the Greek? They've been spreading propaganda for all these years and we never noticed. It's time for the Hippocratic Corner! Okay, guys, I hope you can listen to me. Uh, This is another Hippocratic Corner. And this time, because of the coronavirus, you're really cornered and you cannot go anywhere and avoid (laughs) this Hippocratic Corner. (laughs) 
and the discussion topic, which is appropriate for the times we are experiencing. So the discussion topic tonight is tips for having a successful online game night. With your friends. <laughs> they don't have to be your friends. Uh, oh. They don't have to be your friends. Oh, your like enemies. Yes. They're going to be people. They're going to be people you hate. I'm not going to say who, <laughs> I mean, but at least one person that comes on our Zoom chat. With this Ghanaian guy and I really don't like There him. you go. <laughs> is the online that was going to be my joke. <laughs> <laughs> online game night so with video, with no video. We can okay, exactly. In this, in this Hippocratic Corner, I would like you to share your experience and what would you suggest to our listeners on how to make a successful online game night? Ipo, stop trying to be fancy. We all have the same bloody experience. We play the same game night. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, I, snacks. I, Bring your own snacks. <laughs> it's definitely not the same not experience. You're not else. Okay, okay, okay. As promised. In the last episode, when we came up with the idea of doing uh, game nights with our original crew, the Tabletop Session Society, over Zoom and playing on BGA, we've done it three times already. And the fourth one is in two days. So Thrice. it's become, it's very successful. It's been getting better and better. I think the first one was a little rough, but we've been doing a better and better job. So what we do is we pop up Zoom, like 12, 13 people log on. Uh, and then we just play games online, and it's great. So I had a few tips, but why don't we get started with uh, Ipo? You wanna you wanna suggest a few things? I just wanted to say that uh, I have played with I have played with other people too. <laughs> Not get only the this fuck Tuesday, out! <laughs> with and I I'm made my, my wish my wish came true when I played with uh, for a four player game. Uh, okay, to be honest, I, I wish it was Terra Mystica, but it was Sushi Go. Uh, we always play in Board Game Arena. We use Zoom and sometimes Microsoft Team. And I wanted to say that playing in a four-player game, you can play a heavy Euro and enjoy it, which is one thing that you cannot do while playing... Uh, in a Tuesday night with another 10 or 12 people hanging around and uh, imagine that if you want to play a four-player game and there are 12 people in the same Zoom room. Or you can do what Ipo does. He, he creates a game for four players and then while we're playing that game, he puts the whole Zoom conversation on mute and then we realize halfway through that he's just... <laughs> Playing a game and not interacting with anyone. <laughs> Actually, you can't do that. Only the host can mute. That's people. right. I would, I would happily do it. <laughs> no, I think you just you remove you just put your laptop on mute. And no, then he doesn't. Just... He just he just mutes himself. <laughs> that's that's too technical for him, Dima. <laughs> I don't because maybe some other co-players in this table want to talk to me. Okay, Ipo, get, get done with your bullshit so we can actually do the correct thing. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to give Mike uh, my, my top five list. It's better if you want a four-player game to host your own Zoom group and just have four players. If you want to host a game night with 10 or more players or a lot of people hopping in and out, 
then you should be ready to play some uh, lighter games, right? No, I completely disagree. Obviously, I hundred percent disagree. <laughs> I, I think I think if you're like Ipo, and you think that the point of these game nights is to play on board game arena, you're completely missing the point. If you want to not talk to people <laughs> and just play Terra Mystica, just go join no, a fucking real time game. If people disagree with you, they're not missing the point. The point of these is not to do what you usually do on board game arena. The point of this is to hang out with people that are stuck at home during this COVID-19 thing. People are stuck at home. They want to talk. They want to be in the larger group. So we all join so we can talk to each other and have fun. It's not about, shish, please be quiet. I need to play my dwarves on Terra Mystica. Like, this is not the point of the fucking game nights that I put together. So what, Agreed. what the actual advice is, is one, if you're going to do a larger group the way that we do, um, don't use a video conferencing software that has restrictions on time limit. Because it, it's easy if you're four people and Zoom kicks you off after an hour. It's easy to all of you log on again. But if you're 12 to 15 people, it's super hard to get that. Like there will be like a 30 minute lag time between when you log off and when everyone comes back on. I actually pay for Zoom because I use it for all the podcasts and everything. So I don't have a time limit. So that's not an Shout issue. out to our sponsor, Zoom. Shout <laughs> out to our sponsor, Zoom, uh, video communications. But that's one of the first advice I would give. The other thing is, when you're teaching a game, it's super useful to share the screen and just use your mouse to point at stuff. Dima did that with Russian Railroads. I did that with Tokaido. I did that with La Granja and uh, many other things. Um, also, this my piece of advice is actually the complete opposite of what uh, Ipo said, which is don't feel like you're forced to just all play a game with all 15 of you. So if there's 12 to 15 of you, you're going to end up just playing Telestrations or Ink and Gold or stuff like that or code names. So I, I'm down with, 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 with breaking up into multiple groups. I think it's worked very well. I think the main thing is not to try to teach both games at the same time. So like four of us can hang out and then the other four can learn Russian railroads. We just make jokes and bother the person teaching the entire time. And then when they're done and they start their game, we start teaching La Granja. And like, it's fun. You, just, you feel like you're in a group of large people. What do you think, Dima? Do you think that it's better, like Ipo said, to isolate yourself again, even though you're already in isolation? I just feel like when we're a lot of people and there's chaos, it reminds me of the actual weekly game nights we used to have. <laughs> so um, in the beginning, the, the last time we did it last Tuesday, I felt like it was, it was good because people were getting the hang of it. Like in the beginning, we try to play games that are very inclusive, so that take up to eight, ten people. Um, Ink and Gold, Telestrations, all that stuff. We tried Spyfall. And then once we have a good number of people and people are ready to start playing, we start splitting up into groups of four or five and then explain the games if it needs to be explained. And then the nicest part is sharing the link to these games. So after I explained Russian Railroads and you guys were being extremely uh, interruptive, <laughs> um, <laughs> Once we started playing, you guys started explaining La Granja. And the, the nice thing is, like, when you guys started playing, I opened the link to your game and it was 
I was watching it in parallel to playing our game and listening to your conversations and we were talking. It's it's just, I enjoy the chaos. Some people might find it a bit overwhelming, but... Well, that's why you're end, delaying to play your turn. Because <laughs> I'm distracted. It's like, but, it's like a yeah. real... I thought it was because she was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on camera, Byron. <laughs> it's like a real game night. When you have 10 to 12 people, 15 people, it really feels like game night. I mean, have you ever tried teaching a game at our house during game night? Like, you can't do it without being interrupted 17 times. And, and you can't even hear the sound of your own voice when you're explaining. Yeah, if Ricardo's so teaching a game, forget about it. Like, you have to wait for him to finish because he'll just keep talking really loud in the way that he teaches... And then you, can't, you can't do anything. Byron, what, what do you think? I agree. Um, I have my own list, though, that's a bit different from all of your guys's. Um, if you have a minute or two, I'd like to go through it with you guys. Go for it. Number one, the setup. Bring your own snacks because you're not getting them. Can't <laughs> show snacks digitally. Number two, internet connection. If yeah. that stuff is yeah. jumping, you ain't going to have a good time playing or talking to your friends. That Shout you, out to Kevin. Say a conversation. <laughs> Kevin, can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> and get nothing back. It's very frustrating for the, everyone else. It's probably equally frustrating for you. Get that shit seen to. I thought we were calling him Dada. <laughs> <laughs> Big Dada. Number three. Make sure wherever you're recording... Has your shit tidied up? You know, you know, like people are seeing your house, your living room, wherever. <laughs> Clean up, you know. Put put on maybe maybe get a vase with some flowers behind you, a candle. <laughs> people will like that. It's it's a little details. When you're playing, have fun. Don't be like, oh, there's 23 of us. I guess we all better play code names now because what else are we going to do with 23 people? <laughs> people. <laughs> well, we could try talking to each other, which is the whole thing. Right? <laughs> or we could just, you know, ignore each other and play our online Euro games yeah. and just click trains <laughs> around tracks. <laughs> Num <laughs> I don't even know what number I'm on anymore. Number five. Those four, yeah. <laughs> don't have your TV or cell phone on in the background. Everyone or can hear Spanish yeah. news. Everyone can hear that you like J-pop we don't, we're not interested. <laughs> we had to play games. Okay, get serious. Oh First of all, that was amazing. <laughs> also, you just reminded me if you decide to share your screen, maybe uh, Close those like minimize your WhatsApp web. <laughs> yeah, Dima. Dima started chatting in the middle of it. I totally forgot like, that. She, she, I was was she was teaching Russian railroads. She switched over to her WhatsApp and started messaging her friends and we're like uh <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> and those are all my oh top my tips that was amazing awesome thank you thank you great so Ipo, no so i mean i guess it, was, it depends on the kind of person you are right like what ipo's talking about i feel like you could get the same experience just playing a real time game online he doesn't want to hang out and talk he wants to talk about the game that's what he wants to talk about, which isn't fun. No, he wants to talk no. about. He wants to talk with the people playing the game with him about the game. How many times? Because can you say, otherwise, okay, no, 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 what's the issue? Okay, 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 Elias, that's your turn. Oh, you went there. Oh, good job. Oh, you scored a lot of points. Okay, you're you're 
all of you, you are wrong. <laughs> I want to hang. I want to hang around with other people and play a game and talk at the same time, but I don't want other people to discuss about their game in my connection. Okay, but Ivo, let me ask you this. In my connection. When we're when we're in my my direction. When we're playing in my house on a regular game night, and there's three games happening at the same time, can you not hear people talking? If we had Ricardo and Kevin, the neighbors would hear people talking. <laughs> the point is, you the whole point of this idea that we came up with was to spend time with a big group. If if what you want is to find three other people to play a Saturn Euro game with, then you can just do that on your own schedule. You just be like, hey, Elias, are you free? Cool. Dima, are you free? Cool. Byron, you free? All right, sent you a link. Let's play that. But the get-together, the talking, the talking shit, you're talking your own thing, and then Kevin says something that you didn't expect to hear. You didn't even know he was listening to your conversation. That's what makes game night fun. And if your idea of game night is just to focus on the game in front of you. <laughs> Why do you use that? Accent? Because I feel like he's a Nazi. <laughs> like, I feel like it's such <laughs> a Nazi thing to do. Is, I'm sorry, please do not speak while I am playing my Euro game. You know, don't like, this is exactly. Don't, don't speak on my connection. Like, go this, fuck yourself. How about that? This is, go find your own fucking is, friends to play with. This is exactly we, what I didn't say. <laughs> I said I said I want to hang around with other people and talk even with 10 people. I just mm. don't want other people to to I don't want to listen to other people talking about their game. Yes, you and your fellow Aryans want to talk about being Poland. Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like when other people start bringing their browner conversation and then they, they don't like your particular economic strategy. <laughs> my point is Ipo if you're playing La Granja on my table in game night and somebody's playing Puerto Rico next to you and they make a comment that upsets you in real life no if they make a comment no but th if they're constantly speaking about their Puerto Rico game uh, doesn't add to the experience let's put it this way for me that's what makes the experience because I can be playing my game and then I hear someone talking about what's happening in this game. And then I quickly open their table and I look at it and I'm like, oh, shit, look what AK just did. You know, that's to me the magic. And then I have doing. Ipo telling me, Dima, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, I'm but we have to do that. But we, we had to do that when we were in person on game yeah. night. Although we always had to be like, Dima, it's your turn. To be Dima, fair, it probably is Dima's turn on one of the BGA games. <laughs> So, as usual, Ipo's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, I want to say that uh, Tuesday nights are my favorite nights now. <laughs> okay, because I was going to add a disclaimer saying after this episode you were banned from all Tuesday nights, but, but now I'm not going to put it in. <laughs> no, also, I want to say, if you can help it, be the host of the Zoom chat, because you can put people on timeout. <laughs> so mean it's like it's so good I if someone makes a bad joke i put like... him in the waiting room for 30 seconds and this is the reason that uh, elias is doing the nazi voice <laughs> that's true i'm not a nazi that was, that i'm a fascist a democracy i'm a fascist not a nazi i can't be a nazi i don't pass the Aryan test so <laughs> well, <neither did> Hitler. <laughs> yeah 
Oh. <laughs> We're not doing shots fired for Hitler. <laughs> if you're offended, please write to us. <laughs> at Elias at no principles. <laughs> oh. Okay. I think uh, we exhausted the issue. So uh, our listeners, please let us know your tips for having a successful online game night. Not like the one that it was described by (laughs) 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 on our Twitter account at TT Sessions QA or over at our BGG Guild that it's now alive and kicking. (laughs) Both of these links will be in the episode description. That's right. And we'll have a specific discussion topic open specifically for this. So that actually is great. Let's all get together and create like the agreed upon perfect way to host a game night online. And also you're allowed to argue for EPO, um, but only on the BGG guild, as I've said before, but you will be on social media. You will be immediately blocked. (laughs) (laughs) We'll create a separate zoom room for you and EPO to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) If you argue in favor of me, you might end up in a camp. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you might end up in timeout if you disagree with Elias. Yeah, I, I might put you in a waiting room, but uh, it's a comfy waiting room and we don't kill it's your relatives. A, it's a waiting camp. <laughs> we don't kill anyone, Ipo. And it's 30 <laughs> seconds working there. Of, of further social isolation. Okay? I've agreed to dictator. I will not agree to... <laughs> so, all right, whatever. So that brings us to the end of this tabletop session. Thank you so much for listening. Please check out our very active Instagram account at Tabletop Sessions. Actually, if you haven't listened to the last episode, we just posted all the awards from the last episode on our social media. It was great. Matt Leacock answered us, and it was the best thing of my life ever. So you can reach (laughs) us through Twitter at TT Sessions QA, or you can join the conversation at our Board Game Geek Guild. And you can find the link to all of these in the episode description. If you could, please take a few minutes to rate us on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts or rate us through your Android podcast app of choice. It makes a huge difference in our ratings and our viewership, and it's the best thing that you can do to help push and support the podcast. Um, We'll be back in three weeks. And until then, to quote one of my favorite writers, God damn it, you've got to be kind. Say bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye-bye, guys. Goodbye. Adios, mis amigos. <laughs> Adios. Mis amigos. <laughs> mi amigos. Arrivederci. It's Italian. Mi amigos. I don't know if it's mis- it's mis- amigos. amigos. It's Chinese amigos. It's Chinese if you're talking to a lady. I don't know. I did Duolingo for like uh, a week. <laughs> yeah, that's a Duolingo for you. And this episode is brought to you by Duolingo. Session. I still think breaches is funny though. <laughs> I don't know. I was talking about. All right, so talking about breaches. <laughs> she she was putting stuff in on your breaches. So, my, po- 